Hello and welcome to a special Halloween episode of Over the Page, the Vale of Glamorgan Libraries podcast, where today we'll be talking about all things witchcraft. Uh, let's introduce ourselves. I'm Ben James, children's librarian for the Vale, and with me as ever is... Julia from Cowbridge Library, and we're joined by Dr Jonathan Derrant, witchcraft historian. Hello. <laughs> Thanks for coming, Jonathan. Thank you. So let's get the first question out of the way. Um, is there such a thing as a witch? That's an interesting question. Um, <laughs> historically, no, there's never been such a thing as a witch. Theologically, yes, because witches are mentioned in the Bible, sort of. And of course, there are Wiccans today, so they count themselves as witches. Um, so they would be real. Well, wow, that was a short podcast, wasn't it? That was. <laughs> nice, nice to know the answer, though. Thanks for, <laughs> thanks for listening. <laughs> Join us next time where we'll be talking about the existence of the Loch Ness Monster. <laughs> Doesn't. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Spoiler. Okay, so we are looking at the witch in more popular culture, in literature. Obviously, that's going to lead to films. Um, it's a really popular motif. I mean, pretty much since Shakespeare, apart from the Arthurian romances and the sorceress Morgan the Fay, was Shakespeare the first um, to incorporate witches with his three weird sisters? Um, was he? Uh, he's the most famous uh, of them. There are there are more real witches discussed previously. So there's a lot of pamphlet literature in the Elizabethan period where they discuss real cases of witchcraft. Uh, so it's about getting on for a dozen pamphlets um, that Elizabethans would have read before Shakespeare wrote um, about witches. Of course, there's a lot of demonology in which they would have um, found witches, particularly um, Reginald Scott and his discovery of witchcraft in which he tries to debunk the whole idea of witchcraft and on which Shakespeare draws um, to some extent. Uh, witches you find also in uh, Raphael Holland's head and other um, chronicles, so they still exist there. Um, so they, they would have, people would have read a lot about witches. So they would have been in the popular imagination. Uh, they would have been by Shakespeare's time, yes, because in 1563 you have the Witchcraft Act, uh, which allows people to be um, accused of witchcraft and tried for witchcraft in England. And those cases are reported because witchcraft isn't really understood um, in the 16th century in England. It's a fairly new phenomenon. Um, it's only been around since the 15th century in most of Europe. Okay. And I mean, by the um, slightly later in the period um, we're talking about now, by the time of James the First, I mean, he famously um, did um, a, a work on on witchcraft and demonology, um, which became very popular in its own right, I believe. Um, so it seems to have been um, a well-established sort of social phenomenon. In that sense, were there actually people, I mean, you've, you know, the short answer to were there real witches is no, but were there actually people then who the, believed themselves in witchcraft? You know, if, if, if they were practicing these things, did they actually believe in the efficacy of what they were doing? 
OK, so in terms of the people who were accused of practicing witchcraft, there are very few who believe that's what they're doing, at least initially. You do get witchcraft confessions. So in St. Osith, for example, in 1582, you have two witches who confess to witchcraft and confess to the acts of which they're accused. So that's harming people um, in very strange ways. One of those is a cunning woman. But actually, cunning women are very, very few and far between among uh, across um, those accused of witchcraft. So just to give that some context, there are about 100,000 witchcraft trials across Europe in the early modern period. So from around 1500 or 1450 to around about um, 1750, of whom 50,000 are executed. And of those, very, very few had any knowledge of any magic or witchcraft um, as far as we're aware. So no, they um, there were very few people who believe that they practiced witchcraft. Mm -hmm. So, but it, um, but you mentioned that there are so there are a very small number who've who've actually confessed to it themselves. So it wasn't all. It wasn't just a case of everyone who confessed to it doing it under kind of duress as such, but mostly. No. So um, yeah, there's uh, there are differences in approach. So in Europe, you get tortured quite often. Yeah. So the the process to towards confession is quite straightforward. You just torture someone until they confess in certain places. So in, in Germany, where it, witchcraft is an exceptional crime and therefore isn't is no longer uh, the, the rules about torture no longer apply in certain areas, then you can torture someone until they confess. In England, it's a lot different because torture has always been illegal in um, ordinary trials. So you can't torture the witches. Doesn't mean to say that in the early modern period you can't um, lead them on with questioning. You can't promise them things. So Brian Darcy, for example, famously promises one of the witches that he'll be lenient uh, in order to gain evidence. Um, and then some some women just give up after a time and, and confess. Mm -hmm. But in England, you don't need a confession to be um, executed for witchcraft because we've always had the system where, you know, it's the balance of probabilities. So the jury sits, the jury takes the evidence on board and then they make a decision on the evidence. So you don't need a confession in England to be um, executed as a witch. Um, so, yeah, very few witches in England actually confess to the crime. So how, I mean, you mentioned a figure of 50,000, that's it's, it's a massive figure um, and is deeply harrowing. Where do we get from that to the figure of which that we see, um, which is really popular in literature today? Why do we like reading about witches? Why do we um, why do we enjoy these stories? That's an interesting question. So very quickly in the 18th century, once the um, Witchcraft Act of 1735 is um, on the statute books, and witchcraft is or to claim to be able to do witchcraft is a crime uh, so therefore a form of fraud um, and therefore you can't be executed for being a witch because there's no it acknowledges there's no such thing witchcraft starts to become a historical phenomenon and it also starts to become a a subject of literature so um by the end of the 18th century you have um well, into, and into the In, 19th century, you have... Um, the Belle d'Ensemble certainly. I mean, she was a bit of a witch. And the Brothers yep. Grimm published mm -hmm. just after that. 
Yeah, and you have most famously uh, Goethe's Faust, which is um, a very influential play about witchcraft in which you have um, it was, the story is about Faust who con uh, contracts um, with Mistopheles, a demon to have um, various different forms of uh, power and so on. Um, but you have witches in that story. Uh, so, yeah, very quickly, very famous writers start to take it on and then it becomes popular in the 19th century with um, a novel. Um, well, by then we've got the birth of Gothic fiction um, and we've got uh, Mary Shelley uh, and <laughs> squirreled away in her Italian castle. And by the way, if you do hear loud banging, we are meant to be recording this in a thunderstorm. So <laughs> it's going to be <laughs> thunder and lightning predicted for the day. So, uh, yeah, you've got the rise of the Gothic novel. Um, and so by that time, you know, it's quite a. Yeah, you have the rise. Of, yes, the rise of the Gothic novel, the romanticism and um, this idea that the supernatural is a, is a is a, an appropriate subject for literature, um, which is fall into that. So it becomes popular then and a lot of important writers write about it and then that gets taken on by later writers too. Um, throughout the 19th century, kind of dies away in the early 20th century and then re-emerges uh, with feminism, for example, and with um, Hammer House of Horror. Uh, There's <laughs> different ways of exploring the world in which we live. So um, when we think of um, of witches or when the perhaps the average person thinks of witches, there's there's the usual elements that everyone can you know see in their imagination. The pointy hat, the broomstick, the cat, the black cat, that sort of thing. Where did that sort of popular stereotype of the witch, that that stereotypical representation of the witch in the popular imagination. Where did that come from? How did we get from the facts to that to the fiction? Because that seems like quite quite a big jump from the kind of the mm. the historical reality of witchcraft. Yeah. So actually, um, the broomstick, the first um, image we have of the broomstick and a witch. Uh, is in a drawing is a is in the margins of a, a text called uh, Les Champions des de Dames, des Dames, the, the Champion of Women, um, which is published in uh, written in French in the mid 15th century. And someone has in the margin has drawn a picture of two witches, one on a stick and one on a broomstick. Uh, the text itself is actually arguing that there's no such thing as witches. This just image appears and actually it's drawn from notions of heresy. So it's believed the, the Valdensians and the Cathars, two major heretical sects in the medieval period, um, both flew to their gatherings on things like broomsticks and sticks, pitchforks, goats, um, all of those kind of things. So the early artists are drawing on that iconography, that imagery, when they first think about witches and what witches are and witches are heretics basically so it's just another form of heresy so they they kind of transfer the iconography that goes with the Valdensians and Cathars to the witches. The cat is really old so um, lots of different um, anti-social um, groups, religious groups throughout history have been accused of worshipping cats so 
the, the early artists are drawing on that as well. The cat is this supernatural figure, particularly a black cat, and um, that gets incorporated into that story. The witch's hat, on the other hand, is just a, big, just a hat which becomes old-fashioned. Um, so in the 16th century, it wasn't a pointy hat, it was kind of a flat-top hat, but still kind of the same height. Like the Welsh stovetop hat. Like a stove. Like a stove, yeah. Like yeah. a stove, like, yeah. Yeah, like one of those hats, um, and it's fashionable. And then it drops out of fashion. So you see Elizabeth I and James I both wearing this kind of hat. And then it just drops out of fashion and the witches sort of carry on wearing it in the iconography and it just gets more and more pointed. So that, that becomes um, associated with witchcraft, um, partly because it's part of the imagery of, of what witches look like anyway. So we've talked about um, the reality of witchcraft for the people actually practicing it or not. Um, what about the other side of the coin? What about witch finders or witch hunters, whatever we want to call them? Were they um, were they sincere in what they were doing in their kind of pursuit of of those accused of, of witchcraft, if you like, or um, were they just abusing power and position um, to sort of victimise people who were perhaps social undesirables? Ah, that's an interesting question too. Um, so if we take Matthew Hopkins, um, working in the 1640s, the Civil War is going on. Um, he's a Puritan, or seems to be a Puritan, and he is persecuting witches throughout East Anglia, um, so, you know, Norfolk, Suffolk, Essex mainly. And he genuinely believes there are such things as witches, but he actually has no authority to persecute witches. Mm -hmm. The reason he can get away with this is because there is no authority, then there's no one to govern him. So the witches are all accused, um, tried and executed when there isn't really a justice system in place because of the civil war. But he certainly believes in what he's doing. Having said that, not everybody does. So the people of Norwich ban him from Norwich because they believe that he's he's acting. Well done, they believe that he's <laughs> acting for profit because he gets paid for every witch that's executed and he gets paid for doing his job. Uh, and they they believe that he's just being greedy. So they <laughs> refuse to allow, not just being greedy. They also disagree with his religion. But yeah, that, that's the. Um, uh, that's the way they um, sort of argue their point. So they refuse him entry into Norwich and he's got no authority, so he can't actually enter Norwich itself. Yeah. So um, he probably does believe what he's doing. Um, but the situation also allows him to carry this out and allows him to do things like um, deprive people of sleep in order to get them to confess that kind of thing. Ooh. So which is not usually allowed in English um, legal practice. I mean, that's a it's a terrifying thought that 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 anyone really just someone can can sort of take it upon himself to just kind of appoint because he's complete he's he's entirely sort of self appointed, isn't he? As as the, the kind of witch finder general, which he's you know, which is is that a term that he actually used himself, or is it something that's been applied to him by other people? That I wouldn't have. That. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. So well, that's that question. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody knows. Well, I'm sure people do. I just off the top of my head, I don't know. Yeah. So how do you? I mean, it. 
witches are portrayed as a sort of there's a breakdown obviously there's a breakdown because of the civil war but also they tend to represent the breakdown of civilization and a lot of these witchcraft um stories you know they're 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 either got debilitating disablements um you know they're full of incest because the characters know no better or you know it, they seem complete degenerate societies i mean really so this you're taking this from novels that are yeah recent novels yeah so most most communities are not like that most communities are very close-knit communities and would not uh, have tolerated a lot of the practices that are described in say the daylight gate so yes very few of these communities would have allowed practices like incest and um and what's happening actually is it's something more fundamental in the late 16th, early 17th century. So you have the deepening of what's known as the Little Ice Age, um, completely the opposite to now. So the world is getting much, much colder. Uh, that's been happening since around about 1300. And then all of a sudden in 1560, it really gets bad. By the time you get to the 1620s, it's the coldest Europe has been in, you know, in human or has known since the, probably the pre-Christian era. So it's very, very cold. There are successive years without harvests. People don't see what's going on. They don't understand what's going on. Uh, that causes a lot of angst and anxiety. Uh, it makes it more difficult to accommodate poorer people at that time. So do they genuinely pick on the sad old woman at the end of the village? <laughs> In England, they often do, not okay. always, but they easy often. victim. Yes, because they're, they're marked. The same in Europe. It's not the same in Europe. So um, I've written a book on Eichstätt in Germany, and most of the witches there. There are around about two hundred and seventy-five. Most of the witches there are what you'd call middling sorts. They're not quite middle classes yet, but they're they're the kind of group that becomes the middle classes. So they're all married into the. Yeah, the social elite of the town and they're all married they're not marginalized at all in england on the other hand they are and there are reasons for that in germany uh, or in eichstätt witches are tortured and because the first witches came from that group they named other women in that group whereas in england the marginalized old woman is the easier target um, and you can blame her for for a lot of the misfortune that you really don't understand you don't understand why it's happening um crop failure um sick cows that kind of thing sick cows diseases to children that you don't understand malnutrition often the result of malnutrition and then you've got all this social dislocation happening anyway so people are, are migrating to the towns economic migration and so on and that means that some communities are breaking up so that makes these women more vulnerable to, to what's going on Okay, so um, possibly jumping back in time, but maybe not. Um, I'm sure you can tell me. But I was wondering about the phenomenon of um, witch marks, which um, you sometimes, I think, see in buildings, often in, uh, in carved into door frames as a, a sort of talismans, I suppose, to supposedly protect against um you know witches entering your house and uh, and and possibly harming you um 
that seems like that that seems strange to me um as part of what i assume is a is a kind of an overtly christian society um so it's perfectly reasonable to take steps that will help you be protected from witches um obviously with god's permission and god's help and so on it's not the actual efficacy of the things themselves but there are rituals which obviously um are part of christianity anyway in various other forms mm-hmm. so yeah houses are very vulnerable places and you need to protect them uh, the most vulnerable part of the house is the threshold the doorway and that needs a lot of protection so you can protect that in several ways you can put witch marks on although um, some historians are skeptical about the extent of those um, because carpenters often make marks on um, the wooden elements of a door frame or other parts of the building and therefore um, you know as they're working they will make marks so they can fit them together for example um, and sometimes people confuse those for which marks or you can put things under the threshold so the most um, likely thing that you would do there is get a bellamine which is a kind of it's a um, a clay clay pot a clay um, bottle Um, and into that you would put urine um, hair and iron and stop it up and you might put nail clippings and other things in there as well and then you bury it under the threshold and that should protect you or might protect you or you could you could uh, wall a cat into the wattle and daub usually alive oh. as a form of protection <laughs> <laughs> if you are building a house and and you're worried about witches we we really don't recommend doing that now no no and the other really odd one that you find in in walls um is a single slashed child's shoe and no one knows why it's a single shoe or why it's slashed or why in fact it's a child's shoe but the they can be put into a wall and people use all sorts of other kinds of um, things to put into walls and under thresholds and in roofs and in chimneys just to protect spirits from getting in. And it's not always witchcraft that you're protecting yourself against. It could just be bad spirits anyway. Mm-hmm. Well, that's that one for you then. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry if that was a bit round. I suppose I'm going to ask the question. So does anyone have a without mentioning Harry Potter, does anybody have, uh, does anybody have a favourite witch book to recommend? Uh, Jonathan, what about you? Thanks for asking me this. Um, <laughs> if you're a really little child, I would recommend That's Not My Witch, which is really funny. <laughs> and goes all the classic okay. things about witchcraft. <laughs> if you're an, um, an adult, my favourite one is uh, the Master and Margarita, which is a Russian novel by Mikhail Bulgakov. Um, it's a satirical novel, but it has one of the best descriptions of a witch's gathering mm-hmm. in there, yeah. um, which draws on a lot of um, stereotypical ideas about witches, but it's a fantastically written account of, of those witches gathering together. Okay, so I'm going to leap in here because I'm I'm on a Russian theme as well. Um, I really enjoyed uh, recently reading The Bear and the Nightingale, um, which takes, there is the figure of the witch um, 
the well, the number of witches, but the, the figure of a witch. And I just really like the way it's told. Um, it gives a real flavour of being in a Russian winter mm-hmm. round the stove um, and that folk tale, those tellings of folk tales. Um, and we are moving into winter. So, yeah, it's a really nice winter read, that one. What about you, Ben? Um, well, I read The Bear and the Nightingale um, over last winter as well, and I, I really loved it. I agree with what you what you said. It's so evocative of of that kind of period of history and that that culture, that you know that that deep kind of snowy Russian feel. Mm-hmm. Um, but what do I think? I well, <laughs> I'll take it in a different direction. Um, well, Actually, I could uh, if you if we're talking about very young children, I'd have to recommend uh, Julia Donaldson's Room on the Broom, oh, which is great fun. Um, <laughs> and I love that. Um, but um, I also love um, Terry Pratchett's uh, depictions of of witches. I mean, they're a little bit more. They do, um, I think, in a knowing way, <laughs> lean into that uh, to that sort of popular stereotype um, with their kind of their black clothes and their pointy hats and uh, and their, their broomsticks. Um, but I like the way that he, um, I like the, the, the kind of, the way that he compares them, compares and contrasts them with the wizards in the Discworld um, as well. And that the, whilst the wizards are very, kind of organized there they're part of a kind of a central um authority if you like they're very and they're very kind of pompous and self-important um they're very very i suppose they're essentially the equivalent of um of of, of our academics sorry jonathan um, <laughs> not all of them i'm sure you seem very nice um, <laughs> but um yeah but they're um they insist on all kinds of you know wizards insist on all sorts of formalities and they um you know and then they they want to dress up and they want to to, to eat giant meals and uh and sort of live in a university and uh and have all the kind of trappings of ritual and ceremony and then in complete contrast to um to them the witches of the disc world um they're very very just work a day they're they're kind of they're there to do an important job because it it needs to be done and they do very very they look after all the ordinary mundane things you know like they they look after old people in in their old and lonely people in their in their sort of communities they act as midwives they 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 sort of um you know look after young mothers with with children they 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 look after people's livestock and and you know see to to kind of curing people's sheep and cows and all that kind of thing and and visit the you know the old and the sick they're almost like midwives and social workers and uh, and they they do um it's mentioned it's kind of explicitly mentioned several times that they they kind of feel that they they have an important role to play in their societies. They do um, they do important work because it needs to be done, but they definitely don't expect to be thanked for it. And they're they're kind of proud of the fact that they're you know they they have this lack of self importance in general. There are there are some who obviously have uh, have latched on to this kind of wizardly love of of kind of toys as they call them, and you know and all the kind of the, the spells and covering their clothes in kind of shiny stars and, and all that kind of thing and uh but um but I, I i like that i like that they 
they seem to have this very very strong um kind of moral compass i haven't read them so uh, <laughs> I, again i've got more homework now this time as I well recommend them. they're good fun <laughs> probably you know probably uh wouldn't take them too seriously but um but they're good fun but but i do love a harry potter having said we can't mention it i mean you have to really don't you uh, and the films obviously are very good as well so um thank you to jonathan for joining us uh, on this halloween special thank you for having me um and if you like the podcast don't forget to hit the like button and share and tell um everybody that we're here absolutely and uh Please come back if you've enjoyed this uh, this episode and uh, look up all of our previous episodes uh, on whichever po- uh, platform you find your podcasts. And please come back and join us again next time. Thank you very much. <laughs>